Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, and with me as always are Zach and Vince. And this is our monthly new comic roundup episode. So we have, I believe it's six books we're talking about this week. Um, all of which came out in the last month or so. And we're going to start with um, the final issue of Batgirl by by Cecil Castellucci. Um, how long has she been on this book now? At least, at least a year, if not more, right? Boy, I don't even know. I know I talked to her about this book at New York yes. Comic Con. I think it was last year, New York Comic Con. It, it, it was at the start of the. Um... Oh, crap! What do you, the the year of the villain stuff? I want to say, okay, okay, which was oh, which was definitely over a year ago. Um, we should have looked this up beforehand. We're very professional. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, um, but my point was that I, I feel like although her run on the book, we were all such huge fans of the book when it started in Rebirth, when Hope Larson was writing it. That I think we all, to varying degrees, either dropped off the book or simply lost a lot of passion for it. Though I have to admit, I don't think I've ever read a bad issue of this book. I just think it didn't live up to the to the heights that were set when Larson was writing it. Uh, Vince, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to guess you've read the most of these than any of us. How do you feel about this run? Um. I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty uninspiring. And I think, um, I wanted, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Um, I think part of the problem is that it's, it almost intentionally kind of tries to avoid linking up with any of the other titles that it may or might be involved with, um, any of the Batman titles or anything like that. Um, and it's got Babs in this, in this will they won't they thing with with um Jason Vard and that he just seems like a dickhead and man i can i say that that uh editor's note calling back to Batman Eternal 28 really threw me for a loop <laughs> like, i don't remember that at all <laughs> yeah i feel like yeah. the Batman Eternal weeklies are just a wash in my brain yeah yeah, but now I'm now I'm the James Tynion guy, so I'm gonna reread them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I I I haven't liked it as much as um, previous work by this writer, and I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Zach, what were your thoughts of this run? Um, I didn't read it. Um, so Batgirl thirty seven was the first. Castellucci issue it was the first year of the villain tie-in I had forgotten that Marguerite Scott had done the book in between yes. Hope Larson and Castellucci and that was where I really lost the thread of the yes, book was I did not like during that the Scott run yeah yeah and I just I just never picked it back up because it it opened uh Castellucci's run opened with that oracle arc mm-hmm. um that I, I we did I think read like the first issue or two and talk about it on the show and it it just did not grab me um so she really hasn't been on the book that long just a little over a year um and and really like a year's worth of issues when you take out like the covid gap you know right um yeah so i i really i didn't read it so i can't really talk about it as as a ron i mean I'm so out of the loop on this book that when it began with a funeral, I had no idea it was for James Jr. Yeah, me either. I mean, you you pick it up pretty oh, quick oh, sure. as they talk about it, but yeah, no, well, I, no I, idea. I just meant, didn't I know did, he was in the book. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't hear that. He, I remember him being, I think, in one issue I had read, but I didn't, I didn't know that he had been a big enough part of it to, to to die in in the in the series. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do we think of this issue? It is, as I mentioned before, written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by the first part, at least by Emmanuel Lupicino, who I just love reading comics. She draws. I, I love yeah. her art. Um, what do you guys think of this issue? Um, I I really only uh, flipped through it to get to the Batwoman stuff. Oh, okay. I didn't oh. actually read the comic. <laughs> Wow, interesting. Fucking hmm. shoes on a different foot, huh? Oh, yeah, I actually read this. <laughs> Me too. Wow. I took my show responsibility um, seriously this week. 
um of course i of course i come fast i got fish to catch (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck man now the shoe is on the other foot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Talk about this book so I can you, stop laughing. You can you can edit this up. I'm not gonna edit this uh, out. No, I, I really only I, I really only wanted I believe the way that I worded it in 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 our in Lad's chat was like uh Let's check in with Batgirl so we can see what this new Batwoman is about. And and what I meant without telling you guys is that I'm just going to see where she is in this book and only read those pages. So, Well, let's talk about that right off the top. So I read the entire issue and then had to Google the name of the new Batwoman and go back <laughs> to the issue and find out where that character appeared. Just because I felt like I thought there was going to be some indication of the character being... Um, like Batwoman, <laughs> I, I either Batwoman or or some sort of like vigilante or whatever, and the character just kind of is written as a character that Babs you know knows and thinks you know well enough of, but there, there's no indication this character is going to be important in any way. No, I I I have to say I was expecting just just by the way that it was. So when that news story came out, I was like, oh, oh, they're like stealth debuting the new Batwoman in this book. And that's not really what happens at all. Um, I thought it was going to end with like in, in my mind's eye. And that doesn't that doesn't make this good or bad. Um, I just my expectation was that it was going to end with um, Babs like more officially taking up the Oracle role because that's kind of what she's doing. In, in the bat stuff right right now not necessarily retiring the batgirl thing but then having like this new batwoman character kind of enter it factor in as like a pseudo replacement for the street level batgirl stuff even though it's batwoman batgirl like i get that but like i, I kind of thought that's where this was going and that the last page would be like the new batwoman swinging off or something like that and it wasn't that at all. Um, and I don't even know. There's no indication that there's any plan for that. Although, you know, whatever, who knows what comes after uh, Future State. Um, it, it could it could be that she will be Batwoman in continuity. But that doesn't happen here at all right. or anything close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mostly this was just like... What if Joker War was like the real world? <laughs> That's twisted. Well, expand on yeah. that for for folks who didn't read the issue, like Vince. Uh, <laughs> well, it's mostly so in this in the status quo right now. Babs is um, a, an assistant to a congresswoman in Gotham, and it's mostly just her kind of like walking the streets of Gotham commenting on protesters and the police and and looting and the state of gotham in the aftermath of joker war in in a way that is like clearly trying to be timely and relevant to the things that we're dealing with in the real world and sometimes it works and sometimes it sometimes it's weird in like in the way that anytime you try to like make one-to-one comparisons of the real world and a world where there are people who dress up in costumes or have actual superpowers and and beat people up you know there's like one particular moment in the book where babs is like talking about the protesters and they're you know she's first she's talking about all the things that she has done as batgirl and then she's like these people have done their part too in a smaller way That's I swear, isn't that like isn't there like a um arrogant superhero character that like literally says shit like that in in some comic or movie I, or I don't know. 
maybe yeah. yeah probably i'll say um but yeah you know to captain me... hammer from <laughs> <laughs> the hammer's my penis uh, <laughs> uh to it's me it's canceled to me the most um sort of the silliest part of this like, i think there's actually as as Zach just said, like some of this stuff lands pretty well. I thought there was a, there was some nice moments in the beginning of the issue with Barbara and Jim Gordon just being so diametrically opposed. And it's like, and I think oftentimes Jim Gordon is written as like the cop of the heart of gold, and in this, Castellucci writes him as more of a what I would think is accurate to how a city cop would feel about some of this stuff. Um, yeah, and so I I appreciate that. And then at the end of the issue, the congresswoman that Babs works for is going to a fundraiser where Jim is going to be one of the keynote speakers, and she decides to skip it to go march with, with Babs and these protesters, and they just run into Jim Gordon in a tuxedo on the street, and Babs is like, come on, Dad, join the people, and he's like, oh, okay, and grabs a sign, and it's all of a sudden with the protesters, and it felt like maybe that first scene was written before this was supposed to be the final issue of the run and they had to wrap it up. But I feel like Jim's character changes 180 degrees in between those two scenes. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, but again, it's not, it's not a bad idea and the no, execution like for the most part is actually, I think pretty good. Um, I think there, there's also like a lot of hemming and hawing in the issue about like, should I reveal my identity to my dad or to Jason? And it's, it, it comes away with like, you know, the standard, like, no, I won't, but I'll, I'll take this half measure instead. Yeah. Um, which like, I think that's, I can't really fault Castellucci on that. That's editorial. Um, yes. you know, you, that's a big thing. Um, but it's also like one of the things about superhero comics that I generally get the most tired of. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the second story in this issue is, again, written by Castellucci, illustrated by Marguerite Sauvage. And this is this is not a great comic. Uh, it, this is funny because it it's spinning out of like a one-panel gag from the first issue, or from the, the main story. Yes. Did yes, you catch that? Yes. Yeah. So this, this whole story is about how basically Batgirl is constantly being called in to help different... Uh, people with with their their cases whether it's the justice league or surprisingly the jsa gets uh gets name, name checks yeah which is interesting um and and she she eventually decides at the end like fuck it i need to do what's right for me so she's solving this mystery and um basically ignores the pleas of all of the justice league and justice society members who are who need her help for other things and you know I'm not going to say that those other things are more important than the things that she's dealing with, but it's just, it's a, it's a very strange issue or a very strange story rather. And not particularly good. Despite yeah. the Marguerite art, the art is good. Art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's a third story <laughs> written by Becca Carey and illustrated by Jessica Chen. And that story is a, um, basically, so it, it's, it's what I think is going to wind up probably being the new Birds of Prey, which is Babs in the Oracle role, Black Canary, Spoiler, Orphan, and Huntress, and they're playing D&D together. And that spills out into like a real-world adventure of of them trying to like use their D&D characters' traits in actual battle to make them better like to basically to, to to try and unlock some creativity within their fighting styles to make them be a better team, which is silly as shit. But this was fine. Zach, what'd you think of this? Uh, yeah, it was it was fine. I it's actually gone. didn't read the whole thing. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Even though it was like six pages. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, she was on the other foot now. Yeah, it it was a it. it it was inconsequential and it, I just, I was bored by the end. It, it's it, a cool idea. Yeah. I, th I think it's a fun idea. Um, I was expecting the story after that, which doesn't exist to be the Batwoman story. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but then it, it wasn't there. So, oh, well, uh, there is, there is something that she says in this issue where she basically says, seeing Steph and Cass where the bat symbol has changed things for me. 
Uh, or is that in the Batman issue? She, she says that. I think it's in this issue. That's that's in the Batman issue. Oh, it is. In the, okay, then we'll talk about that later then. Um, but I do think that there is. Um, I do think we're getting indications that she's not going to be an active Batgirl for a while. That she'll be more Oracle, and and I think that's. I think that's good. I think that allows her to be the best version of her character without reverting the story back to her being in the wheelchair. Yeah. And it also lets other characters move in interesting directions. Exactly. Too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I concur. Um, I don't know if we'll see a Batgirl solo book, if it'll be a Batgirls book, or if it will be like a Birds of Prey book that will star those new Batgirls. And Harley Quinn. Probably and Harley Quinn, yes. And and Bluebird. And Bluebird, which we'll talk about in a few minutes also. Oh, yeah. I actually, I I think we, we'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so let's talk about Batman 101 and 102. We'll, talk, we'll start with 101, obviously. Written by James Tynion IV, illustrated by Gia March. You guys read this way before me. And you were telling me how you basically said it's so good, even Grifter is good in it. And I was like, that cannot be true. Uh, Grifter in Grifter in mainline DC stuff is never good. But you know what? Grifter was pretty we good were right. this issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this issue is so good. <laughs> yeah, Zach Goofkin, you were um, you were just raving about this. Uh, oh, oh man, I actually I feel like I should have reread it because it's been oh, so Jesus. long since I read it. Um, but I mean, I just... Is it too late to get that other co-host we were, I, we were talking about on last okay, yeah. I Oh, man. He's he's not doing anything else right now, so... Um, <laughs> Who was I, the last I hear, he, I hear, I I hear he's tied. I hear he's tied up in litigation right now. Um, Who are we talking about as the co-host? <laughs> it was the joke that we were doing about uh, if you replace <laughs> oh, yes. Zach with oh, somebody, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. you know... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... But no, I, I can talk about this. I'm just having to refresh a little bit. I, I had forgotten how long it had been since I had read it. Um, Zach no, is I, not involved. <laughs> just not one of your people. You know, he says he, um, reads the, he reads the books, but I don't know, folks. I did read this. I talked to you all about it extensively. Um, yes, okay, sorry. Go off, King. Think about all the great things that you liked about it. It's just really good. I like the new status quo. I like the. What I is like, the new status quo for those who are listening? So, so Bruce is broke, basically. Not really. Well, he, he still he's still apparently dollars. like he still has. He's a millionaire instead of a billionaire. Um, but he <laughs> is. He, broke he, bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he um, he has moved out of the mansion. He's going to live in a brownstone in Gotham. Um, he he can't. Uh, go as high tech as Tanya kind of had him going at the beginning of his run where he was like, you know, in Ava units, basically. Um, he can't do that anymore. Um, which is interesting. Uh, you have this uh, new status quo with the Fox family where they have all of the money. Um, Lucius Fox has hired Grifter to be his bodyguard, which is how Grifter comes into this. And we get a fun little mention about Halo. Combat uh, Evolved. Yes, exactly. Um, they're going to go play Halo after this. Happy Series um, X launch, everybody. Yes. Um, the Xbox boy has spoken. You guys heard him. He loves Xbox so much. <laughs> um, he just loves it. He never In Lad's chat, he never stops talking about uh, uh, we're just we're just bebopping and scatting about all kinds of inside jokes today, and I'm sure our listeners love that. That's, um, why, that's why they come <laughs> to listen to us. Do you think um, we could charge people like a dollar a month to be a part of Lads Chat? <laughs> <laughs> that's not worth but it have, for not, us. not to have posting privileges, just to be able to exactly yes it. yes no posting privilege whatsoever. <laughs> they cannot say a word. They they, have to, they just have to watch us through a through a glass window uh, in our natural habitat, which is ship posting and dunking on each other. Oh my gosh! Anyway, anyway, um, clown clown hunter is still doing stuff, which against all odds, I like the clown hunter. Um, Take a look at Zach now. Um, the the only. The the only thing that I maybe groaned a little bit about is that 
we are once again separating Bruce and Selena for a year. So for just for reasons, which like, I, you know, whatever, I don't care. It's fine. Um, Yia March's art is so ridiculous here <laughs> and good. Like Bruce both looks like a, a 90 year old and a Greek God at the same time, somehow. Um, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, this, this is a good issue. I liked it a lot. Vince, any, yeah. any thoughts? Yeah, I, I do think it's entertaining how, like, <clears throat> Guillaume March is drawing Bruce like he's 60 years old. And he looks like um, he looks like Clint Eastwood in this. Yes. When he he's a, talking he looks to a good him. 15 years older than Lucius Fox, too. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Clint Eastwood talking to an empty chair in this. Um, and... Uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the supposed status quo that was supposed to happen and isn't, or if I'm reading way too into that. Like if this is, if this is mm. art, if this is art that got out ahead of interesting ideas. Yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know if there's any, it could just be, you know, he, he's a very stylish artist who likes to, stylized character i mean you need to look no further than his riddler mm -hmm. to see that you know and so it could be like a way to represent that batman is is um fallen on hard times or having to reinvent himself could be that you know drawing him as uh, old and disheveled in this kind of gets that across a little and then who knows maybe the next time he draws him he draws him you know 20 years younger or whatever but I couldn't help shaking the feeling that, like, my God, he looks old in this. And we've seen him draw Bruce plenty of times where he didn't look like this. And I so just, it, it really made me think he was going for something there that is kind of beyond us. I just thought it was showing, like, what happens to the 1% when they don't get their, like, $600 haircuts. <laughs> you know? When they don't get their adrenochrome exactly. injection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Um yeah, but I like this a lot, too, for all the reasons Zach uh, mentioned. I, I like this idea. I I don't I, I'm, I'm not shy about how much I don't really like the Wildstorm stuff infiltrating DC, because I think like I've said this so many times before. But, you know, if if Wildstorm is kind of some uh, tropey subversions of the DC comics or superhero characters in general, you don't need them in the same universe then. Um, and I don't, I, t I tend to think it doesn't really work very well. Um, so I'm very lukewarm about this idea that Wildstorm is going to come back in a big way in 2021. But I do think if you want to say that like certain characters can be on the table here and there, if you have a really strong idea for them, I guess and I think this is just enough grifter and he's integrated in, in, in just the right way. I think that it's, it's not too much. I'm a little, the mention, the mentioning of halo and the idea that maybe with his money, Lucius is somehow assembling some sort of secret wildcats team or something like that. I, I don't know if that appeals to me. I think that that might be a little too much for me. Um, but we'll see. I'm willing to let it play out just based on the strength of the writer. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted to mention is that I, I think it would be very funny if like, uh, uh, Bruce has a little dalliance with, uh, Talia or something or, or whoever. And then, you know, he meets back up with Selena and he does a very, they do like a very Ross and Rachel, like we were on a break. <laughs> And I, that, I don't know why that was Jerry Seinfeld yeah, um, say. doing. <laughs> what's the deal with going on a break with your? Yeah, no, uh, I, I couldn't help but think of of the dreaded uh, show Friends when they said they were taking a year long break, of which I have never seen a single episode. Oh man, you're you're lucky. Yeah, it's it's so it's so far below uh, the excellence of Seinfeld that it. Well, I mean. Staggers the mind. Most things are. Um, so what I was going to say about the Wildstorm stuff is I wonder if Grifter would have been a character in this 
if Warren Ellis didn't turn out to be a creep. <laughs> like, if they realize that the Warren Ellis Wildstorm universe is dead, so we yeah. might as well get some use out of the IP, and now they're back on the table. I, I don't know if that would have happened uh, in the same way if Ellis hadn't been shown the door. And also with Jim Lee, um, you know, essentially taking the reins after Dan DiDio left too. Like, yeah, is this is this just Jim Lee's only pl- only move? You know, yeah. <laughs> I will do it under one condition: Grifter can show up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Please use my characters. <laughs> He's a good boy. Use his characters. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move over to Batman 102 then, which uh, again written by James Tynan, illustrated by Carlo Pagulian, instead of Guillaume March. And this issue sort of, I-, I think, pushes the the story forward a bit more. 101 seems like a bit of a uh, sort of reset the status quo after Joker War, whereas this is much more. Here's where the story is going for the next few, you know, uh, months. And so we we spend some time with the Ghost Maker, um, I, not to be confused with Mentos the Fresh Maker. If anybody was uh, a little confused there, um, but no, and we see that Ghost Maker is a character that Bruce had encountered earlier in his life. Um, we we don't get too much of the backstory. We're sort of dropped into a backstory where these two meet, but we don't get a ton of time spent on sort of the origins of of their rivalry beyond just you know getting the idea that they both are sort of on this quest to become elite fighters and they keep running into each other along that quest. Um, we we see Babs referred to as Oracle by Bruce here, which is um, which is interesting. And, and I, I mentioned before, I incorrectly said it was in the Batgirl issue, but here she talks about seeing Stephanie and um, Cass in wearing the Bat logo and how that has made her rethink her role in the Bat family a little bit, which, again, I think we've all been sort of prepping for. Um, yeah, uh, we get a group of, of sort of criminals who have been infected with Joker toxin who are called the Grinners, uh, which is just a, a mm. funny name for that group. Um, and... The, the issue kind of ends with Batman both protecting and enabling Clown Hunter and fighting uh, Ghost Maker in a battle for winner takes Gotham. What do you guys think of this issue? I, I didn't love it. What part of it didn't you love? Um... One, the art. I didn't think this was Pagaline's best work. Um, I think most of it comes down to the coloring for me, the way the coloring looks. And also the the backgrounds feel really sparse. I feel like this isn't... Maybe maybe I'm just misremembering. I feel like Pagaline's artwork is just a little bit more detailed than this usually. It just felt very sparse um, outside of like... It, it just felt like most of the pages were the characters existing in... in colorful negative space you know um and and it it just wasn't as visually impressive as this run has been so far um and the ghost maker just feels very one note um so i didn't love that i i liked some of the stuff i liked the stuff with babs and bruce i liked the stuff with harley thought it was cute um and again, like I, I still feel like Clown Hunter is a pretty, against all odds, compelling character to me. So, um, it's I think just Ghostmaker was less uh, intriguing or uh, engaging than I kind of hoped the character would be, um, especially based on that flashback. Ghostmaker has serious New Fifty Two vibes to me. Yeah, yeah, Vincy. Yeah, I'm wow. I'm right there with you, Zach. I felt the same thing. I um, as much as I liked Batman 101, I I didn't care for this one as much. Um, Ghostmaker, 
the, this this trope where like there's somebody from Batman's past, Bruce's past that we never knew about, that's come back to haunt him or whatever. And oh, it was a it was a anime rival, <laughs> you know. Like this is basically a this is basically like his Pokemon rival. Um, and I'm just not like I I don't know this tendency to fill in the past with this character that I feel like. I can't put my finger on it because it's not exactly like Hush or Tommy Elliot or anything like that, but yet it's the same, it's kind of the same ground a little bit. And I just feel like it's, it's that idea is done to death, you know? Um, So I don't really care about that. And it's, it's also another villain who just thinks Bruce doesn't go far enough. Right. Which is, which is anytime there's a there's an anti-hero or 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 a benevolent minded villain or whatever you want to say it's always well, Bruce you should have killed that guy you know it's it's the same thing every time in fact that's what the joker that was the joker's whole premise you know and that's also clown hunter's premise the premise at the exact same time that it's yes. uh ghostmaker's premise it's Clown Hunter's premise and it's Ghostmaker's premise, and Ghostmaker is mad at Clown Hunter for do. I don't. I'm not. I don't totally. I mean, there's information we don't have yet, but well, it's like Clown Clown Hunter is bad because he goes too far, but uh-huh. Ghostmaker would go a little bit farther than Batman, but not as far as Clown Hunter. <laughs> it's sure. this. It's this weird triangle. They all have this equally like obtuse and and nonsensical idea of honor or not necessarily like nonsensical but internally inconsistent yeah my um, biggest problem with ghostmaker as a character is that i feel like i, I don't understand how he fits into what tynion has established as sort of the tone of this arc like we've seen that this has to be a leaner batman this has to be a batman that is getting by without his you know his wonderful toys or whatever and i don't unless the point is going to be that he is physically batman's equal and so that so because batman has to rely on his on his physical skills more that he's now meeting a physical equal, and that's why he's brought in here. But it just seems like it doesn't really fit in with the other things that chi- the Titan is trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he also, I think, kind of reeks of being a, a character who... Um, he he was a, kind of a character who was designed before he was developed. And that that's maybe not exactly true. Tynion's talked about how this character was originally intended for another project that he was pitching that was kind of a more like shonen manga themed take on Batman. And then he, that fell through and he's kind of repurposing him here. Um, but he, he definitely feels more like style over substance. Yeah. yeah. And even that style kind of looks like uh, what the Wraith or whatever that year two characters name was. Yes. <laughs> I could be misremembering, but like, I mean, I mean, it's at least evoking that for me. I don't know. Um, I mean, if Moon Knight is a ripoff of Batman, then Ghostmaker yeah. is a ripoff of Moon Knight doing ripping off Batman. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll say is, like, I, my eyes rolled out of my head when I read the stuff about the Grinners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're they call themselves the Grinners or whatever, and I just feel like, oh God, this is that. I feel like Snyder and Tynion both do this where like they have to come up with this the most clever name they can for everything. Well, not even not even clever, just like in their own minds clever. Yeah, I don't know. And I love those guys. I love those guys oh. and I love their I love their work, yeah. but like yeah, when I when I read like okay, okay, here's another group of people calling them something because they got jo- I just feel like why okay, there's a lot of people that probably are permanently scarred by the Joker, you know, like I don't know. All of this stuff in this issue, especially when you compare it to the stuff in Batman 101, this stuff feels like it's rewarmed leftovers of of stuff all stuff that we've seen before. Um it has time to win me over, but 
the first issue of this arc, I, I'm not, I'm not wild about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll argue with all that. You know, I like the Bab stuff enough to enjoy seeing where that status quo goes over the next few weeks. Um, I think I am less high on Clown Hunter than Zach is, but I think the character has some potential there. Um, yeah, we'll see where this goes. And then the last of the Bat books that we're going to be talking about is uh, the Punchline Special, which just uh, is the most one of the most recent books we're going to be talking about. This is written by James Tynion and Sam jo- Sam Johns, and illustrated by Mirka Andolfo. So I can't remember where we as a show fell on Punchline at the end of Joker War. My recollection is that we liked her and that I liked her. I thought we liked her too, but this issue makes me doubt that. (laughs) I think we liked where the epilogue left her. Am I, am I wrong? No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I don't, I don't dislike punch. I mean, I don't like her as in like, you're not, you're not one of those simps. I'm not a simp, but, uh, but I, but I, I do think she's an intriguing twist on the Joker's girlfriend trope, especially how she's manipulating the public and, you know, potentially the legal system and, and exploring that. Um, I like all of that. Yeah. Did not like, the podcast angle well it, it just to me this is just yet another sign that tanya listens to our show this is him speaking to us in code just letting us know he listens to our podcast i think so i think i think that this issue maybe you guys will disagree with me i, I feel like this is a case of an issue being hurt by being uh, an oversized issue oh this would oh, be yeah, great as sure. a backup in batman if this was a I ten think, page I backup, think it could have, I think it even could have been a twenty pager, but yeah. not like a thirty-five, whatever this is. We we only needed a taste of the podcast of the actual podcast content. Yeah. The fact that there were so many long, essentially paragraphs written as episodes of the podcast was just overdone. I think. Yeah. Um, but I really do like. And I was wanting to get to this point, the way that Harper and Cullen are yes. brought into this. The Rose are back, baby. Really good. And, you know, we've had Tynion has said that he's working on an, a second bat book with Gia March that is rumored to maybe be a digital first thing. And I wonder if that is going to be the Birds of Prey thing. That's maybe like Babs's Oracle, Bluebird, Cass, and Staff. Gentlemen, we're eating good. <laughs> yes. That's just pure conjecture, but I can I can see that going. And like the way this issue ends is really good. Yes. Uh, the end of this issue made up for a lot of the sins of the of the earlier parts of the issue to me. Yeah. Um very ominous, like very well uh scripted i think and well staged um leslie tompkins gets a lot of really good facetime in this i really like i i'd kind of completely forgotten that harper was off working with her i think that was like where her status quo status quo left off yeah at the end yeah of... which like wait a minute it, it wasn't leslie tompkins dead what happened with that no I thought that I thought happened she in Tomasi's. No, mean, that maybe. was fake. That was fake. Remember? No, I don't remember. <laughs> I clearly don't remember. Yeah, that. yeah, that like whole arc leading up to one thousand was fake. Yeah. Oh, that was the um. Well, it was like the what was it called? No, you was it think... like mythology or something? Yes, yes, yes yeah. that was that. I thought, yeah. a lot of people died in that. I thought like, you were gonna say. Died. I thought you were gonna say nightmares, and that was, and then that that was the shitty Tom <laughs> King. No, 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 no. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm very much thinking of that Tomasi arc, but um, 
Yeah, she died at the very beginning of that, but it was all. But it was a yeah misdirect. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone can forgive me for not remembering <laughs> that. <laughs> Man, that run, I, I have not liked it. Yeah, I, I will say that I liked all of the stuff with the with Harper and Cullen and Leslie Tompkins. I thought all that stuff was good. I thought that. The podcast stuff was really over overblown. I did like them trying to give Cullen something to do because I feel like that was always one of our complaints when reading Batman and Robin Eternal was that it seemed like Harper had all this going on and then Cullen was sort of forgotten about a lot of times. So to give him like um, agency and sort of have him be in a way the catalyst for this story I think is is clever. I just didn't like the podcast stuff very much. Did you uh did you guys read the full chat log uh of the game that he was playing the the people in the chat of the game he was playing? I did, but I don't. I know I did at the time, but I don't remember necessarily what was said. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, it's wild! It's wild. What well, is it? how so? Oh, hold on, let me get it pulled up. <laughs> I I really like. I'm I'm really surprised, Vince, that you didn't like have it memorized. Um. <laughs> Well, they're not playing okay. on an Xbox Series X, so. Oh, the, they do look like they're playing on Xbox, though. Well, no, it's an Xbox controller on, on a on a laptop. Um, ah, the patrician's way of. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, mouse and keyboard would be. Okay. But, you know. here, here we go. Here, this is a representation of of Vince's Discord chat with all his buddies when he gets his Xbox Series X. Oh, um, seriously, the things I would let her do to me. She could crush a watermelon with her thighs or Joker's head or my head. Um, I want Joker's mean girlfriend to spit on my face. Oh, well, that that's just that's that's just what I do in lads chat whenever uh, Halsey has a new uh, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. And then oh, and then and then and then bluff this uh, Colin's friend dms and pri- you know sends them a private message it's like hey don't let those simps get to you <laughs> <laughs> i feel like simp has become the most overused word in the last four weeks maybe i mean that's uh i mean we do that i know yeah. we do that but i feel like i've been seeing it in the real world as well sure that fucking judge dread cover <laughs> yeah yes. oh, that's beautiful that is a beautiful cover that's wonderful yeah it's just very very funny to yeah. me uh any other so this book this this ends with a to be continued in 2021 we can presume that that's going to be in batman right or or i think in this other book that tanyan's teasing to me punchline is well actually now that I'm, what i was gonna say Cro- is punchline think- is a is a is too big of a character to not put in batman but if you're trying to launch a tertiary bat title, putting punchline in that is probably a an instant way to get people to read it. And I, I think it'll be I could definitely see a situation where like that's not the first arc necessarily, like it's running in the background and then crossover or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, um also, we haven't really talked about the art on uh, Andolfo's art. It's really good. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we got some Andolfo art in a like mainline DC book? <sighs> um, it's been a I don't. I don't know. Actually, not sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought. Like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of the podcast stuff, and I also feel like I wish we got. And I understand maybe why we didn't get more like insight into Punchline herself in this. This is very much a story told about her by other people a lot of times. But I feel like uh, I would have rather had a little bit more time with her directly and a little bit less of that podcast shit. Also, I, am I, I may, I'm meant to look into this a bit more. Does this... Does this origin or this like her meeting of the Joker contradict the one that we got in that other issue where she was like in college and like beat up her dean or something? Why? Well, I, I think you can read it that it doesn't because you know she she met the Joker in in this uh, 
you know, in that field trip she was on when she was in school. And then, you know, she gets yeah. obsessed with the Joker and then starts doing these things to make him notice her. Yeah, I, I just couldn't remember. I thought in that story she first met the Joker because of that instance at school. But in this, it's like implied that she meets him again because of all the stuff that she starts doing. Like she's in that restaurant killing a bunch of people. And then, and then it seems like she meets him. Um, I, I didn't go back to check that other issue. So I, I, I can't quite remember. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's take a break. And we come back, we're going to talk about three more books before we uh, say goodbye. Or two more books, I guess, before we say goodbye. So stay tuned. Hey, we're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman. The next will be a European comic like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga like Lone Wolf and Cub or A Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. All right. Uh, I'm going to piss Vince off. I'm not going alphabetical order here. Um, just because one of the books is older than that, we're going in, in somewhat chronological order here. So we're talking about Young Justice number 20 first. Um, this was a surprising cancellation when it was announced. Uh, not that I thought this book was setting the world on fire or anything, but it just seems like I'm surprised that a Bendis title was wrapping up uh, this early. But uh, this issue was written by Brian Bendis and David Walker, and illustrated by Scott Godlewski. And um, Vince, why don't you start off by talking about your feelings about this issue? Um, I think to me it it represents um, unfulfilled promise to me. <laughs> um, I just uh, I think it has all the same problems that I've kind of complain well i like i love this team i love the idea of having young justice back and i like i like the status quo or the premise where they're essentially saying like look we don't have to we don't have to be a formal team but which which like the meta narrative of that is uh we're getting canceled guys but we're not gonna we're not gonna break up the team just because our book is getting canceled um, so I like the idea that Young Justice is going to exist even without a book and that they're more of like a support net for one another than they are necessarily a superhero team that has their own book. Um, but what this issue amounted to was just a lot of like characters talking over one another so that Bendis can get all his quippy little dialogue in Um Characters repeating things that they've they even make jokes about how they're repeating things they've already said because I I guess Bendis and Walker didn't know like what other words to put in their mouths. Um, and <laughs> there, I, there's I, one point like specifically where John Stewart is like they just call themselves Young Justice. He I think even calls them Young Justice and then he's like, what do you call yourselves again? Yeah, right. Like what is that? A, is that a joke or what is that supposed to be? You know? Um, like, like, are we supposed to think that that's funny or, and I feel like he does that so often. I feel like, um, Bendis is on a kick lately where like he thinks characters not hearing or understanding another character is like supremely funny. Oh, he was a huge yeah. fan of, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, Shanghai noon and Shanghai nights. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the red the red tomato gag in this. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And he's doing that in Superman a lot too. Like Su Superman will say something and the other characters will be like, "What? What did you just say?" Or like Legion, which is Legion is the one Bendis book that I really 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 like right now. I still really I still think that that's as good as it was when it started and I think it's I think it's a legitimately great 
book. And I, I don't know if anyone agrees with me or not, but I'm, I thoroughly enjoy that still. But that shows up in that book a lot, too. Like a character will say something and some other character will be like, uh, repeat that, please. Like, it's the funniest shit in the world. You know, it's, it's just the same gag being done over and over again. Um, and I feel like this issue is full of that. I did like the Red Tornado stuff. I like the nod to, to Red Tornado. Um, and, and I like, I like where they left everything. I do like, I think it was a really warm, warm way to end the issue. Kind of like a, you know, your classic DC, like never the end. These characters stories will continue on. Everything's kind of happy. You know, it doesn't end on a down note. Um, but man, like 20 issues of this series and the entire point of those 20 issues was just to get them back to almost what the status quo was at one point. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of fell off this book at the end of that kind of big arc, which I, I think wrapped up maybe around like issue 15, 14 or 15, something like that. Um, and then there have kind of been like a few one-off issues, it seems since then, or like smaller arcs. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm kind of over Bendis at DC and really, at least right now. Legion's good. I need to catch up on Legion. Yeah. Give it a shot. I think, yeah, I think maybe 15 was the last issue that I read. Um, yeah, that was the Warlords finale. Um, yeah, it's just, this is just really weird. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a finale in any way. It just kind of ends. It, it really, like, once again, just makes me wonder what the point of this book even was. Mm-hmm. so that that uh, that pretty much sums up how i feel as well yeah uh i i feel like there, there's a line in this book and i forget who says it maybe it's teen lantern i'm not entirely sure where they basically run down all the adventures that they've had in the 20 issues they're like we found out we used to be a team we went on an adventure through the through the multiverse we saved gem world all this stuff and i thought like what well, actually written out that way it sounds like they've done a lot as a team but when you're reading this book month to month it feels like they've done nothing and i think part of the reason it feels that way is because they've spent so much time trying to get them to this exact moment whereas i think the first arc could have been them explaining all the stuff that it took them 20 issues to explain and then the next 14 issues could have been the team working as a team. Like I, I don't know why, I don't know why Bendis was so insistent on giving this team so much prologue to getting back together, or or mm-hmm. or, 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 to, or to being fully back together. You know, which um, again was like the first 15 issues of this 20 issue series. Yeah, and even this issue still, in some ways, is about establishing them as as their own thing. Mhm. Yeah. I just don't get it. I don't either. This this seems like a big big missed opportunity to me. And part of me wonders if it's going to come back in some form. Um I bet it does and I hope that 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 book just treats them as a regular team. Yeah. It it's it's funny to think that we will have had like 20 issues of prologue, but that I feel like that's what this is. Yeah. Any other young justice thoughts? Mm-mm. All right, well let's wrap up our conversation then with Hawkman number 29. Uh, I don't know why they had to let Hawkman suffer the indignity of ending on 29 and giving one more issue for a nice number 30. 
Well, it's so that Zach has something to memorize and <laughs> and think of, think about in five years from now. That's true. That's right. That's true. That's right. He's he's committing it to memory as we speak. That is that is one hundred percent true. How didn't I think of that? Uh, this issue is written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Fernando Passarin. And uh, Zach, we let Vince start last time. What do you what do you think of this issue? So preface, um, I haven't read this book since the end of the first 12 issues when Brian Hitch left. Um, that said, I thought that this was a pretty good ending to the book. Um, ended on a very f- fun and hopeful note. Um, just kind of a, a, just a good Hawkman story. You know, that's all, that's pretty much all I can say about it. Just a good Hawkman story. Before I bring Vince into this, uh, and folks get your drink ready, Zach, what did this finale remind you of? Another another finale from comics history? Um, um, I don't, am I supposed to recognize uh, yes, this? Yes, you are supposed to recognize this for sure. The structure is almost exactly the same as a finale we've talked about many times. I mean, it's not though. Wait, if it's what I think you're talking about, it's not really that close. Uh, you sure about that? You're not talking about the James Robinson's JLA finale, are <laughs> yes, you? Yes, I am. <laughs> it's not that close. The, the the back half of Robinson's JLA finale are like these looks at stories he didn't get a chance to tell. And okay, you're right. You're right. There is okay. You you were correct. I I forget. I was thinking about the like the big time jump at the end, but you're right. There are like three kind of, you know, what if type stories. There, there are three yes. double page spreads uh, in that JLA issue, which tell the stories that Robinson didn't get a chance to tell. And this issue has at the end of it, like a number of stories that they hint at, like, you know, there's a JSA story. There's a story with looks like fucking Abin Sir is in it. A Green Lantern story. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a it's like a Green Lantern story before Hal Jordan is a Green Lantern. Yeah, and then I don't even know what that third story is referencing. That's when Grant Morrison took over the book for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it does have Morrisonian vibes. Okay, well, I I wish you had gotten the reference I was making earlier, but that's okay. I okay, I I, I just misremembered that this there's this one page in this issue that is like that. Um, I was thinking more about the the epilogue type okay. thing okay. in the yeah. future. I, I I misremembered, but you were you were definitely right. That's spot on. I'm sorry I didn't. I knew what you were talking about, even though I didn't agree. <laughs> okay. um, even though you were right. Okay. <laughs> Vince, what did you think of this issue? You guys, um, it was it was good, um, but this last arc was very stock. Um. Very, very sort of stock superhero book. Um, I, I felt I, you guys will remember on the show when we talked about the end of the last arc. I thought that that was a remarkable place for the series to end and like a perfect big dumb superhero conclusion to this sprawling Hawkman story. And I kind of thought I kind of thought it didn't need to continue after that. And I'm not I'm not upset that it did. You know, but I thought that that was a better capstone to the series than this. Um, you know, where they where they essentially get reset and sent and end up back in uh, JSA times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of I don't three issue arc, I guess it was, or was it two or three issue arc against? Looks, uh, looks like what, three, three, where they where they're going up against half set. Um, you know, pretty standard Hawkman stuff. And then, and then a nice ending where it shows, uh, Shaira training the younger generation. No, say it correctly. <laughs> Shaira. Shaira. Um, <laughs> it sounds like, back on our I bullshit, mean, it, 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 back on our bullshit, <laughs> back on our bullshit, back on our shit. It sounds very much like a bad Mortal Kombat, like voice acting or something. Yes. Shaira. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, like that's a nice moment to end on, but but this this arc as a capstone, I, I feel is just just pretty ordinary, um, but not bad. You know, like if I if I were uh, collecting this in physical and like uh, sticking with it, I wouldn't be upset that this is where it ended or that I got a couple extra issues out of it because I think it was a, a nice run. Um, one Wait, thing I, I will. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say one thing I will say. Uh, lots of big, hairy chested, uh, uh, Carter Hall in this <laughs> bad boy. More like a bear man. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. He's, he's, he's wilding out. Uh, what I was going to say about the sort of maybe stock ending here is, do you think that there's this understanding and maybe Venditti buys into it that like half set is like the ultimate Hawkman villain? And so, like, you can't wrap up a volume of Hawkman without having a half-set story. Sure, but it's certainly not treated like the ultimate. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like the last villain was a lot more climactic. I I don't disagree. I'm just just wondering if they felt like, before we wrap this up, we got to do a half-set story. Some would say that Omar Sin is the... Onomar Sin? Uh, oh, yeah, Onomar, not Omar. <laughs> Put some respect on that name. Yeah. Okay. On- Onomar's I, I, coming, you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think that... Come on, this, that's good. It's good, it's fine. <laughs> um, I, I think that this arc um, is just a little bit more noteworthy because it's the only in-continuity JSA story that we've had since the start of the New 52. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, not not counting the Earth Two stuff. Uh, you're forgetting Justice League. Ah, uh, you're right. Okay, okay, okay. In continuity in time. You're right. Yeah, yeah I kind of yeah I kind of thought that's what he meant, but yeah, you can retcon it to say that that's what you meant, Zach. I retcon it to say that. <laughs> and it and it really does i really like the way that it kind of establishes the uh it's the um it's the hippolyta retcon yes mm-hmm. which is good yep yeah yep so 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 we have the is very good we have the potential to um hear the old guy saying all sorts of nasty ass stuff about her again <laughs> What book was that just recently? In? Yeah, it was a tie-in to uh, Our Worlds at War. Yeah. Our Worlds at War. Yeah. Um, no, no, it wasn't. This... No, it wasn't. The JSA yes. Our Worlds at War is not that one. No, it is. I'm pretty sure. No, isn't it? no, it, it, no. It's it's in. Wasn't it in that issue of uh, Fifty Two? Maybe the Thanksgiving issue. No, it, no, 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 no. It was the. It wasn't the JSA issue. It was the aftermath because Hippolyta oh, died. Yes. That, okay, yeah. Sorry. That's yeah, what it, it was. was. You're right. You're right. Okay. My bad. Um, yeah, they were playing cards, and they were like, "You, you could, you could play cards on her ass or something like that." Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah essentially. Um, this also, uh, you know, let I wouldn't be surprised because uh, Bendis reads every DC comic that comes out. Um, if he includes the Hawks in Legion now. Mm. Oh, yes, yes. We, we we should say we haven't really mentioned that yet. That. This issue ends with the Hawks as old folks in the 40th century, which is mm-hmm. a really interesting. I wanted to talk about that for a second. So earlier in this uh, in this book, we've established that this is the final lifetime for Carter Hall, right? That he will yeah. no longer be reincarnated. Right. Uh, and so I think the implication was that, you know, he mentions even in this issue, like, I will one day die and, you know, basically eat it, half set. But you get the impression that he's going to age more or less as as a human would age, right? But no, we see here that he lives for another, you know, uh, 2,000 years, essentially. At least. Yeah. What did you guys think about that? I well, they did. Good. They... Yeah, they did say he was going to age incredibly slowly. And I think that that's just I mean, I like it. I like it. It's again, it's a big, dumb superhero uh, 
um, solution to the problem. Like, how do you make this person who got his resurrection taken away uh, able to live as long as you're going to need him for stories, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and that's sure it doesn't make earthly sense, but but it's 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 fun in that way. And it's fun to see them actually show you like, yeah, this is how long he lives. It's just that's normal. <laughs> I had forgotten that they said he was going to age very slowly, but I think yeah. even very slowly, we didn't think it was going to be. That was no, I probably, was. I probably didn't think it was. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Um, do we think it'll be a minute before another Hawkman series? And if so, is that because he'll be a big part of a JSA series? He'll be a, I think so. Yeah, yes. He'll be a part of some series, whatever comes out of... Yes. Well, folks, that does it for another installment of the DC3 cast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, Strap In Boys, the first half of our countdown to Final Crisis read-through. Mm. Can't joy, believe joy. This. Can't believe we're doing this. It's not too late to back out. Uh, no, no, I, it is. It I, is too late. Vince has read a bunch like of it, so no. Yeah, that's sunk cost fallacy. Um, not. It's my job that I'm not paid for. But if you'd like to pay me, PayPal in the bio. <laughs> the the bio on farmers only. So if you on farmers on if, farmers only. If you try and date Vince, you can also pay him for the podcast. Yeah, you gotta send me a moo on farmers only. Is that what it's called? called? No. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I thought. Come on, man. <laughs> I thought you did some research or something. I don't know. Absolutely not. Um, I told I told Greg that our obsession with farmers only stems from uh, Jeff Darrow. It does, one hundred percent, from Mike and Jeff and, Darrow. Yeah. Yeah, and he was very intrigued by that. He <laughs> he wanted he wanted to know more. That that's all in the interview, <laughs> like that we that Mike. So for those that don't know, it was uh, near Comic Con twenty, let's call it thirteen, where uh, Mike Romeo interviewed Jeff Darrow, and Jeff was just in a very playful mood. And I don't think they talked about comics at all. They were just talking about farmers only commercials and among other things. And uh, yeah, Jeff Darrow is a good a good guy. I am looking at a Jeff Darrow Godzilla print right now. Uh, anyway if you need to find two thirds of us we are on twitter I am at Brian Edzenep and I am at Walker Fox if you're trying to find Vince on Farmers Only he just updated his handle to Xbox Series XXX <laughs> on there so go give him a move buddy they won't even let me Buy an Xbox. We we heard the whole story about this earlier. <laughs> oh, man. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, sacrifice something to whatever god you worship for us having to recount down for y'all. So take care. Bye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>